All right, so let's, um, we're going to process through the last part of the Sermon on the Mount. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to be looking at verses 24 through 29, and hopefully this is working, Um, and we're going to read this passage together. So uh, it will be up there. There you go, Philip. Is that big enough? Is that good? It's going to take a while to get through this. Um, another thing Philip always yells at me about is I don't make the words big enough on the screen. So it's like you're, you're, it's like you're my stand-in mat today. <laughs> All right. There you go. That's the normal. Um, but let's, let's, go, let's read through this. Um, the, the version that's up there is going to be a little different than what I read. I'm going to read out of the NIV, uh, mainly because I didn't bring my glasses. I figured you'd appreciate that. So starting at verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So we're going to, like I said, we're going to finish up Sermon on the Mount today. And it's, it's interesting that what Jesus is doing here is he's just basically, he's, he's bringing a conclusion to the sermon. This is his closing. Obviously, Jesus did not have a problem that, again, gets pointed out to Matt and I, that we have a problem of saying in closing and then going on for another 20 minutes. Jesus sums it up really, really quick. He's therefore, and then he finishes it up. Now, here's the thing about Scripture. Whenever you see the word therefore... Pay attention to it, because therefore is presenting a response to what has been previously stated. So when Jesus says therefore, he's pointing out a couple of things. First, he's pointing out what he just got done saying. Go back to last week, go back to the last thing he said in the sermon, he just got done talking about the narrow gate and the wide gate. He just got done talking about good fruit and bad fruit. He just got done saying the last thing he said before making this therefore statement is, I'm going to look at you and say, depart from me. I never knew you. And and then all of a sudden he says, therefore. So what he's doing is he's saying, pay attention to what I'm about to say because I just got done saying some very difficult things. And, And I'm going to sum this all up perfectly for you. But he's not just summing up those last things he said. He's also summing up and concluding the entire sermon. The entire sermon, the entire Sermon on the Mount rests upon this last statement of Jesus. Because Jesus has basically said, I have taught you all of these things. I have I've brought all of this truth to you, and now you have a choice. Either you're going to accept it, or you're going to deny it. Those are the two choices. And, and so that's what we see playing out here, is Jesus just basically concluding his sermon. Now, there's two truths that I want to point out. That, that Jesus makes clear. First is this. There's only two types of builders in this world. 
There's not multitude of builders. There's not multitude of foundations. Jesus says, listen, either you're a wise builder or you're a foolish builder. Those are the options. Right? And this kind of fits in our world today because everybody in our world today wants to have their own idea of what's appropriate or, or you know, we hear it all the time, you know, my truth, my view, my idea, my life, whatever it is. And Jesus is like, listen, it comes down to two things. Either you're a wise builder or you're a foolish builder. And what he's presenting here is an image, an illustration of saying these builders are, are not building a house, but he's basically talking about what kind of life are you building? You know, asking yourself, what kind of life are you building? It's funny, when I was younger, and everybody's probably going to relate to this. Um, When I was younger, I remember when I was a kid, you'd always hear adults say things to you like, don't rush growing up. Right? I I remember getting told that all the time. Just enjoy your childhood. Enjoy being a teenager. Don't rush growing up. And when you think about life, it's amazing to me how often when I was a kid, I said, man, that's so foolish sounding. And then once you graduate high school, it's amazing to me how fast time seems to fly by. See, I'm bringing that up because what happens is, is when we reach into adulthood sometimes and life starts going so fast, we stop to really ask ourselves, what kind of life are you actually trying to build? See, how often do we say things like, man, where'd the month go? Man, it's summer already? Come August, you're going to hear it. Man, what happened to the summer? Right? We get so busy. We get so chaotic with everything going on that we are not intentionally thinking about what kind of life we're actually building. Normally, when we do think about it, it's thinking back and saying, man, I wish I would have done all of this over the summer. Oh man, I had all these plans I wanted to do over, I wanted to focus on this, whatever it is. But we have to understand this as Jesus is making quite a specific focus here to say, we need to be asking ourselves, what kind of life are you building? Are you a foolish builder or are you a wise builder? But see, then Jesus takes a little bit further when he's talking about building because he points out that the quality of our life is not necessarily in what we see. Right? So, so we kind of put a lot of stock in the quality of life based on what we see uh, for ourselves or what we see in the lives of other people. Like, oh man, their life must be great. Look at the nice house that they have. Oh, their life must be great. Look at the experiences and vacations that you get to go on. Oh, I'd like to have a boat. One of my daughters said that to me the other day. And I'm like, you're lucky I can feed you. Let alone afford a boat. Um... But we do that, right? We think about that's the quality of life that that we're supposed to focus on is what we can see, what we're experiencing. But in this statement, as Jesus is bringing this all to a close, he says it's not what you can see that is the most important. It's like it's the foundation. It's what you can't see is the most important thing to the quality of your life. And he's like, and if the foundation is wrong, then it doesn't matter how beautiful everything you see is, because sooner or later, it's going to get destroyed. It's going to be taken away. It's going to be robbed from us or taken from us. He's like, the foundation is the most important thing. And see, the world is really good at getting us to focus on the top part 
while the foundation is falling apart. The second truth is this. Every foundation, meaning every life, is going to be tested. See, Jesus didn't say, you know, he didn't word this like hopefully that when the rains come and, and when the storms come and the floodwaters come, he's like, when they come, it's a guarantee that sooner or later the foundation of your life is going to be tested. And, and when Jesus uses these words about the rains and the floods and the winds, he's actually using terminology that for the original hearers of his sermon, this would have been the most powerful thing in their lives, right? He's basically saying, this, you know, like for us, it'd be like when the nuclear blast comes. You know, they have no concept of that kind of power. But Jesus is using terminology that this is the most powerful thing that could ever happen in their world that could potentially destroy that which they are building. And, and Jesus says, when those things come two things are going to happen. Either your foundation in your house is going to stand, withstand it, or it's not. And, and that's why it's so important for us to constantly ask ourselves, what kind of foundation are we building? Because Jesus guarantees there's going to be storms. There's going to be testing. There's going to be trials. Actually, Scripture talks about this a lot. In James, we're told, Brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. James tells us that it's going to happen. Peter tells us there is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Why is that getting smaller? I purpose... You, Philip... He's, he's up there. This is, so you guys can't see him. I've been wondering what he's doing. He's up there like this for like the last two minutes. I know, right? Bullcrap. I'm trying to give him there, you know. Philip, you are definitely someone I do not want to love on. Um, well, if you could read that. <laughs> Peter tells us, again, that we must endure many trials while we are here. Jesus even <laughs> You know what's unfortunate is you made Jesus' words the ones that we couldn't read. I don't think he's happy. <sighs> Jesus says, um, in John chapter 16, says, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. We are told over and over and over again, your foundation is going to be tested. In fact, many of us here can probably think of the times that we've already been tested when it comes to our foundation of life. And here's the thing, it's not over. Because the foundation of our lives are going to be tested not only throughout the entirety of our life here on earth, there's also a testing of our foundation that's going to come when we stand before God. Because Scripture tells us, tells us that each of us will give a personal account to God. Now here's the thing. 
If you have put your life upon the rock of Jesus Christ, if you have accepted the salvation of Jesus, if you are a disciple of Christ and you have been forgiven of your sins, if you have trusted him with everything that you have, your foundation will be secure. You don't have to live in fear of when your foundation is tested someday before Christ himself. But people that have built their lives upon the sand foolishly, not only do they have to go through this life with their foundation constantly being rocked by the storms of this life, someday they're going to stand before God and their house is completely going to be destroyed because they have built themselves upon the wrong foundation. That's what Jesus is saying here. Not only are there storms of life, but there are storms of eternity that we must go through. So, he calls us to be wise builders. Now, as we go through this, let's, let's just kind of understand what it means to be a wise builder just for a moment. Don't assume that when Jesus says to be a wise builder, he's talking about the wisdom of this world. Christians, we have to pay attention how the world is constantly trying to share its own wisdom. And as Christians, what we end up doing a lot of times is we try to mix our foundations. We have a little bit of the rock and we take a little bit of sand and we try to put it all together and think that's going to make sense. And that's not what we're called to. We can't follow the wisdom of the world. In fact, in Proverbs, we are told this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we want to build our lives upon the rock of Jesus Christ, it begins with understanding the fear of the Lord. It goes back to the beginning of the sermon, taking us back to the Beatitudes, where Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that recognize that he is a holy God that we have to answer to. And because of our sinfulness and our brokenness, we are poor in spirit before him. And we humble ourselves before a holy God and take hold of his grace and mercy. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Here's the thing. We are not, we are not building a house on the rock very well if we have an issue when it comes to understanding and living in fear of God. In a holy reverence of God. Understanding that he is the almighty, holy one of the universe that is sovereign over all things. If we don't live with that reality, I question how well we can do it living a wise life built upon the rock. I'm not questioning salvation per se, but I'm questioning how strong we're allowing that foundation to be. Here's a couple of things Jesus points out in this passage. He first tells us that people that are building their lives in wisdom and upon the rock are people that hear his words. First and foremost, if you want to be a person that is building on the foundation that Christ wants you to build on, a wise builder, you have to be a person of the word. We say this all the time. Here's the thing. It's impossible to live a life in wisdom the way Christ wants you to if you neglect his word. If you're not in the scriptures, you can't even know what wisdom is. 
And that's not being said to shame anybody. It's basically saying God is offering you the ability to build a life based on wisdom, and he's given you his word to do it. You have to be people of the word. The second thing Jesus says, though, it's not only people that hear these words of mine. He then goes on as, these are the people that put them into practice. These are the people that actually do what the scriptures say. We have to be people of obedience. Not only do we have to be people of the world, we have to be people of obedience. And Pastor Matt has been saying it throughout the entire series. The Sermon on the Mount is mainly about one thing, and that's having a transformed heart by God. Meaning, I don't want to obey Christ because I have to. I want to be transformed where I obey Christ because I want to. If your Christianity, if your faith is a burden to you, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Because you have no joy in that. I see it all the time. It's really interesting. I was surprised at the beginning of the week. My daughters, you ask them to clean their rooms. You think you ask them the worst thing ever, right? They'll do it, but there's not a lot of joy in it. And then that just spreads throughout the entire house, right? Anybody can relate to this? Because then that, that, that ticks off mama. And then the house just goes downhill from there, right? Um, I just, that's why I just stay downstairs. Um, it is safer that way. It's, um, but here's the thing. Um, there's not a lot of joy in that. And then at the beginning of this week, something weird happened. I come into the house, and, and I'm like, what are you doing? And he was like, Libby asked me to clean her room with her. And there's this difference, right? There's a difference when you want to do something, right? You're excited about it. You're, you're in there, and, you, and you're invested, and kind of talking about the heart changes that even, even happen with, with faith in action, right? It's like you can enter into serving other people, and you might start the, the process with this, man, if I have to. And you kind of have this grumpiness about it, and you're putting on the fake smile, and you're trying your best. But then all of a sudden, God does something amazing, and he, he shifts that heart, Right? And then all of a sudden you're like, I, I, I want to do this. I love doing this. I'm finding joy in doing this. And that's the way our Christianity is supposed to be every single day. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it means there's joy in it. And that's what Jesus wants with our obedience. He wants a heart transformation when we're excited about it. This is what it means to build your life upon the rock, to be excited to put his teaching and his words into practice. And here's the last thing I want you to understand about being a wise builder. You're going to be people of the word, we need to be people of obedience, but then we also need to be people of foolishness in the eyes of the world. Notice Jesus talks about the foolish builder, but here's the thing. If we're truly living the way Jesus wants us to live, the world is going to look at you like you're a fool. Think about faith in action. Some of the world might look at some of us and say, you gave up some of your vacation to go paint a house with Philip? <laughs> like, really? I know, right? I mean, the world is going to look at us like we're fools. And when we stand upon truth, we're going to be called names. And we're going to be made fun of, and we're going to be degraded. We're going to lose friendships, and we're going to lose relationships. Like, that's how bad it can get when you live as a wise person upon the rock of Jesus as your foundation. 
It's not because we're seeking that. It's just because the world doesn't get it. The world doesn't understand. And you're going to be seen as a fool for Jesus. That's what it's going to ha- That's some of the stuff that needs to happen to be a wise builder. Now, then we're also told and, and we're warned not to be a foolish builder. And Jesus basically just flips the script. He says pretty much the opposite of everything he just got done saying. He says, if you're a foolish builder, you're a person that doesn't. You hear the words, but you dismiss them. Right? Now, one of the ways that we are tempted, and just Christian, hear me for a moment, because this is the way we're tempted with this. We dismiss the word of God when we hear the truth, but then we try to twist it so it makes it a little bit easier for us. Or or we want to find a way that we can kind of dismiss it so it doesn't mean exactly what it means. Or or we say things like, well, yeah, that that was, that's not necessarily what God meant with that. And that's what's so beautiful about the Sermon on the Mount. There is nothing in the Sermon on the Mount that you can twist because Jesus is straightforward with it. And that's kind of where you start, right? Look at the Sermon on the Mount and ask yourself, how well am I accepting the teachings of Jesus through his sermon? We say things like, yeah, I know God said that, but I think. Or, again, my truth. Or, I've heard others say. What's most important is not what others say. What's most important is what Jesus says. And as Christians, we need to be willing to embrace the entirety of what Jesus says. Just to give you just a quick example, if you think about this, and, and this just came up this week, and I remember uh, I had a flashback to when I was in Missouri. When we were in Missouri, we had this situation in our church down there that was a horrible, I mean, it was a horrible situation. Like church discipline, like times by a thousand. It was not fun whatsoever. And, and, and as we were trying to process through it, the people that we were engaging in this process with, of course, they were hurt and they got upset, and I understand that, but there was sin and, and it had to be dealt with, and it was just this horrible situation. And they felt, the, and they, they worked with our youth, right? They were part of the youth ministry. They felt the best response that they could have in that moment was they decided to write a letter that expressed their side of the situation, and instead of coming to the leadership to talk about it, they felt the best thing to do was to mail it to all the parents of the youth. Right? So all of a sudden we're getting calls like, hey, I got a letter. <laughs> What's going on? And, and so it just kind of blew up. Now, I bring all that up to say, this is why I'm saying Christians, we have to be careful for we follow Jesus' words, all, all of Jesus' words, not just the ones that we like. This is how they ended their letter. And I'm going to end this letter in the words of Jesus. He without sin cast the first stone. Period. And I'm like, he said something after that. <laughs> it was like, he without sin, not period, comma. Because Jesus actually, and we hear that even in the world today, right? We, we want to take pieces of Jesus' teaching. Yes, Jesus did not condemn that woman that was caught in adultery. Yes, Jesus did not hate her. Yes, Jesus did not say horrible things to her. But he said, he without sin cast the first stone. He says, women, where are the, the men that condemn you? Where are those that are here to judge you? And she's like, they have gone. He's like, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Right? We want to pull out of context to make it easier to swallow. And that's what a foolish builder does. They take just enough of Jesus to make it sound good, but then they dismiss the stuff that they don't want. 
So that's people who dismiss the word of God. It's also people who seek the easiest path. Because Jesus says, you hear these words of mine, but you don't put them into practice. So these are the people that look for the easy road. It connects with what Pastor Matt taught with Jesus' words last week. Where it's the wide road, it's the easy road, it's the road that everyone's on. And then that's where the last one is, is people that are foolish builders of people who live within the wisdom of the world. Basically, they say things while they're building their house. They look around at everybody else and say, well, it's what everybody else is doing. It's, it's what the majority is thinking. It's what the majority is saying. I was thinking about this earlier this, this week. Um, just simply this thought. If you're trying to live a faith that is going to be accepted by the majority, you're probably not living out true faith. Because the majority of this world is on the wide road. Now that doesn't mean you, you, you purposely go fight with people or try to, you know, that's not the point. But if the majority of the world is looking at you and saying, man, you're great. I love you. You're perfect. Like, I, I love your faith. I love your gospel. It's great. That's probably not the gospel of Jesus because Jesus says his gospel is offensive. And the majority of people don't want to hear it. That's what it is to be a foolish builder, someone that hears the word of Jesus but completely dismisses it. And Jesus says, don't be that person because it's going to get wiped out someday. He's warning, don't be that person because I want you to survive the storms of this life. And I want you to stand with confidence when you stand before me, knowing that you are my child and that you are forgiven and that you are redeemed and that you get this reward of eternity because your foundation was what it needed to be. So as we conclude, as Jesus concludes his sermon, as we end the Sermon on the Mount, ultimately I just want to leave us with this question because it says that the people heard Jesus and they said, wow, this guy speaks like one with actual authority. So here's the question before us as we leave here today. If you want to be someone that is building your life upon the foundation of Christ and not foolishly upon the sands of this world, you have to ask yourself, what position of, of authority does Jesus have in your life? What position of authority does Jesus have in your life? Is he the ultimate authority in every aspect of life? And don't get me wrong, I rebel against him a lot more than I should, and that's the beauty of his grace and mercy, that I can seek forgiveness, and he restores me to the place that I need to be with him. But we constantly need to be asking ourselves in every situation, what position of authority does Jesus have in my life? When I was thinking about the Sermon on the Mount, this is the last sentence that I thought of is simply this. When I look at the entirety of this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus never talks about forgiveness, really, about his saving us. He never talks about his death. He never talks about his resurrection. He never talks about the gospel in that way. Because I believe the Sermon on the Mount reveals to us this. If you want Jesus to truly be your Savior, it is necessary that he also be your Lord. And the Sermon on the Mount presents what it looks like for Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And that's why Jesus ends with talking about authority and talking about where are you building your life upon. If you truly want him to be your savior, you have to embrace him also as Lord. And can I tell you, when you do, there's so much joy and excitement and confidence. Life isn't easy, but it's purposeful in everything that we do. Let's pray.
Gracious God, as we leave here today, as we prepare to go out uh, in the rest of our, of our day, whatever that plan is for us, I pray that we go with the intention to know that the life that we are living is being built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. He is our cornerstone. He is our foundation. Lord, I pray that if we're here today and maybe we're asking ourselves, am I building on that right foundation? If we're here and your spirit is speaking to us and saying, we're not on the rock of Christ, but we're still building upon the sands of this world. But I pray that you just motivate us to come and, and speak to someone about that. Just, just open up and be honest about it and saying, I, I, I want to know the confidence of having my life built upon Christ. He is worth it. I want to build my life upon the rock of Jesus Christ. Lord, as we leave here, by the power of your spirit, continue to mold us and shape us so that you may be glorified through us. Use us for your glory in every interaction that we have. Let us not see our lives as this is my spiritual part of my life and this is my everyday part, but realize that everything that we do, every second of the day, our lives are built upon the rock of Jesus, meaning that every conversation, every moment that we are working or serving, every time that we have time that is free, that we just want to renew ourselves, it's all to the glory of you. Let's be excited about the life that we have and, and where you're taking us and leading us. Bless your church as we go in your precious name. Amen.